Hello, and welcome to Tray Cruise Talks. On the podcast today, we will be looking back at a recent webinar, which took place as part of Tray Cruise Talks, looking at the impact COVID-19 has had on the cruise industry. This was the finale of a series of webinars which we hosted looking at the situation from the perspective of different subsectors, with each webinar bringing in a host of experts on the subject. This webinar was hosted on August 6th and was moderated by the wonderful Ryan Stanner, CEO and founder of RWS Entertainment Group. For a special finale, Ryan toasted the occasion with faux champagne and let off confetti at the end, which created quite a buzz amongst the attendees. Joining Ryan on the webinar were Larry Pimentel, former CEO of Azamara, Sea Dream, Seaborn, and Cunard, Annie Scrivenich, Senior Vice President of Cruise Specialists, and finally, the Chief Marketing Officer of Cruise Media LLC, Caroline Spencer Brown. Although they have very different backgrounds, many common themes emerged from the discussion. Now, when the pandemic first took hold in the West, there was a scramble amongst the cruise industry to return the passengers back home as the borders closed. Here is Annie discussing lessons learned. In March, when everything started to accelerate with COVID, we had multiple world cruises that terminated in Fremantle or Perth, Australia, as far as an air city. So we had to assist close to 300 guests to get home. The majority of those guests had been living in a cocoon. There were no issues on board their ships as far as COVID. So they all of a sudden were jolted back into the real world. And we had a fairly good sized group on board the Amsterdam with Holland America line. So our onboard hosts work around the clock with our guests by establishing half hour appointments with them to find out what their needs were and their flight preferences so they could parlay that information to us. It was a bit challenging because we had anywhere from 16 to 18 hour time zone differences. Plus the flight availability and time was just finite. Within cruise specialists, we staffed 20 hours a day for seven days to ensure that we got the arrangements that our guests need, reassured their family members at home in terms of the arrangements, verified all the in-transit you know, needs, et cetera, so that we could get them home safely. Many of our world cruise guests take world cruises because they don't like to fly or want to fly. So you know that added another element in terms of kind of assistance that we needed to provide. So lessons learned, our staff is still dedicated to our clients and to each other and no one let anyone down. I'm just very proud of our performance. Prior to COVID hitting, Cruz was under pressure relating to environmental issues. Now, since COVID has hit, suddenly the media has changed tack. Carolyn and Larry believe things could have been handled differently when it comes to the media. I don't think it's been fair. I think the trade is doing everything it can to understand this issue, I think for the most part. Where we really have run into problems is with mainstream media. And I'll go back to Hertegruten, which found out it had quite a COVID outbreak on the Roald Amundsen this weekend. If that ship had been in Los Angeles, boy, it would have been covered up the wazoo. It wasn't, it was in Tromso. Lucky for Hertegruten, lucky for the industry, I guess. What I take exception to about the coverage is that you get people who don't cover the industry day in, day out, don't have time to understand context or nuance and choose sources that 
aren't necessarily the most respectable or the best sources, most knowledgeable people they could turn to to tell the story. And every time I see a big story that says Petri dish, I want to shake someone and say, let's at least have a conversation about the industry and about how it works. You know, I've been through 9-11 and I've been through recession and I've been through capsizing ships and norovirus. Every single time the industry rose, not only to master the challenge, but to exceed what anybody else in the hospitality business was doing. So I think that that story needs to be told more often. And I'm actively working with some colleagues in the marketing and journalism fields to get some voices out there. Let's not prettify it, but let's be fair and honest and balanced and tell the real story. I think Carolyn has done an excellent job of that recap. It is not the trade that I get concerned about. I see the stories more balanced there. They're so ingrained in it and they're digging as well and reporting, I think, fairly. But the mainstream consumer press is reporting things in such grandiose, was like going back to the original Princess incident within Japan. It was headline news every night. And yet, if you want to deal with the number of people who've had a COVID incident, including the horrendousness of deaths on ships, the percentages of all of this in comparison to the rest of the world are really, really small. And by the way, the protocols weren't exactly horrendous. We have something that's a pandemic. So when people criticize the cruise industry, for God's sake, has anybody looked at the United States? We ought to get really real and print the story in a way that gives the totality of it. I'd like people to focus on what is the industry doing? Because it's damn impressive what's coming out and what's happening and what will happen. Carolyn and Larry have some thoughts on why the cruise industry was actually in a better position than many others. I want to talk about the CDC for a minute. And I started covering the cruise industry when I worked for the Washington Post, and I didn't know anything about it. I worked on the travel desk. We used to take a look at the CDC's vessel sanitation program. This is 20-some years ago. And the CDC literally goes on board every ship that calls in America at least twice a year and does this incredibly comprehensive inspection. And if a ship fails, they can take it out of service. So at the Post, we started covering ships that flunked. And we would tell people why they flunked. And there were a fair amount. Cruise industry started to welcome the CDC in as a partner, and literally the CDC inspectors would go to shipyards and review designs and say, oh, if you do the galley this way, you're going to get food caught in this place so that they can make ships better and safer. And by the way, you can't report on very many failures anymore because nobody fails anymore. It's great. And it's a really, really wonderful example of the cruise line completely going above and beyond. As public health inspections are unannounced. That if you had unannounced inspections all the time at restaurants all over the world, and they had the same standard, the same technical standard, you would find that there would be a lot of problems that would be announced. And this industry is a self-reporting industry. It tends to voluntarily provide a lot of information that other industries like the hotel industry do not report. So if the CDC plays such a critical role in monitoring the industry, what should the industry have been looking at to prepare for the restart we're seeing now? Cruise lines are all putting their own plans together. From my understanding, CLIA is putting a sort of an umbrella plan together. And then the cruise lines will individually present their plans to the CDC in the next couple of months. Everybody extended their suspension to end of October. I think it'll go further. And then the other thing that's really interesting, and this is something that everybody on this call should participate in, is the CDC put out a request 
for travelers, for just Joe Schmo and such, to actually fill in a survey and tell the CDC what improvements they would like to see. And it's incumbent on every one of us to go and fill out that form. The more people who fill it out, the better the results will be. And you will find this form in the show notes of the podcast. And we would love for you to complete it to really help give the industry the intel it needs to come back to its healthy state. Since the pandemic hit, we've seen more and more companies who are digital natives prosper. Travel agents historically have been a people-first industry, but like every other commercial space, it has succumbed to more and more digital organizations and apps. Ryan asked Annie how the future of travel agencies will look. Cruise Specialist is a decidedly old-fashioned company. We are based in the people business. We take care of our clients. We take care of our staff. Sales and service is at our core, and I'm going to say that the majority of our competitors, and we've got some very strong competitors, are the same way. We'll also say that we can out-service and outperform any app any day. I've just illustrated to you our commitment in our performance in a client's time of need with bringing all those world cruise guests home. Pre-COVID, our clients relied on us in terms of helping them make the right selection and choice as far as a ship, itinerary, insurance, air arrangements, I mean, the entire package. And those needs are going to continue, but now we have a new level of a need in terms of walking them through the safety requirements and, and what's going to occur when they arrive at a terminal and you know what they should expect on board and which cruise line is handling it in which manner so that there is a level of comfort. And I think the other thing that you need to take into consideration is the new to cruising clientele. They're going to need more hand-holding than any group. And for my business to continue and to grow and prosper, I can't just go out into the same pool of people who have been traveling. I always have to go out and find new clients. It's been about 25% of our business the last couple of years as far as new to our brand. And many of those people are new to cruising too. So it's huge to support the retail distribution chain, help us become stronger and continue to foster the relationships that we all need, whether it be on the client side or the vendor side to be a stronger industry. From this point on in the webinar, Ryan steered the panel through lots of quick-fire questions, turning over every stone important to the industry. Consumer sentiment was somber when it came to travel, so did the panel expect cruises to be affected in a different way to other forms of transportation? I think the travel advisor can be a real asset and has been an asset previously, but in particular going forward in articulating to the consumer where the industry is at. I think if I booked through an OTA, a cruise, and there were tons of changes and borders closing and people getting stuck, that would not have been comfortable. I mean, if I ever saw a reason to go through a travel advisor who's as fixated on me as a customer rather than just a transaction, the time is now. And again, going back to Annie's statement of overdrive, that's what these retailers do. Now, as to consumer sentiment, it's going to be, going back to what Carolyn said, based on all the press, the consumer sentiment is not going to be particularly good. I could bore you with five or six studies I've done looking at for Wall Street 
that are not very favorable about going on cruises. In fact, cruises were the number one place that people said I'd feel most unsafe with. The exception was people who cruised a lot. So they knew cruising, they had a different impression. They were first timers to cruising. That's a whole problem and we need travel advisors to talk to people about that opportunity as a great holiday because the CLIA data is very clear. When people go on a cruise, the preponderance of people who go on after love cruising and they get a bit addicted to it. But I do think we have a public relations, it's a high profile public relations problem and it's based on trust and it's based on confidence. If I'm an American and the government is telling me don't go on cruises, how comfortable can that be? That's sort of saying, hey, this doesn't work. I believe we need a unified approach. We have some people standing alone, some people connecting, the government adding politics into all of it. It is very, very messy, and it's a disappointment to me that there isn't this collaboration that occurred with the health inspections. Everybody worked as one together to have the best solution. And for me, that's the most disappointing thing to witness. We have RCL and NCLH doing their thing, what I think is a fantastic program. And thankfully, they will give all that data that they will get to everybody. God bless them. Carnival went down a different path with WTTC, and they have done a panel of experts, which was very good. But again, why aren't they together? See, that becomes an operative question to me. So I think CLIA is trying to get this all together, but it hasn't been the easiest of times. It's rather complicated, and until it gets there, the consumer is likely to have less confidence. 9-11, when you looked at the data, people said, I'm not gonna fly, not gonna go, very uncomfortable. And then by the way, when it got settled really six months after, there was a pent-up demand, and I believe there's a pent-up demand that will happen in cruising as well, and people will, get back, but we need a COVID-19 solution first and foremost, in my view. The first people back, and we're already seeing it, are people who love to cruise. And so a, a website like cruisecritic.com, which is partly user-generated, partly editorial, is a great place. If you want to get cheered up about cruise sentiment, go into the community and follow the threads that people are posting about what they want to do. And then also really really important, playing a really big role in this crisis has been not just the cruise line's own Facebook pages, but the Facebook pages that have cropped up that are run by fans. They're doing all sorts of contests, sharing photos, sharing memories, talking about all sorts of issues. And it's a really wonderful place to see how vibrant cruise will be when it comes back. People always think about the ships as the main cog in the machine which is affected. This is not always the case. Think about the ports themselves. Annie is based in Seattle and shares the effect COVID-19 had there. I'm a hometown Seattleite and I've been in this industry since I was in high school. So I knew the days when one ship would come through and half the city was down on the pier in terms of the excitement to have a cruise ship come. And we've watched the industry grow and it's grown substantially as you know any retailer or cruise line executive would know. And we're very proud in terms of having all of these ships based in Seattle. This year was gonna be a record year. Every year, you know, there's nice substantial growth and there were gonna be 233 cruise departures from the report and just disappeared. There was expectation of 1.3 million passengers coming through, you know, 5,500 jobs, it's gone. 
And I mean, that's a story that's being told the world around. It's very sad to see. It impacts every level of society, as we all know. Our port has canceled plans for a third pier, which was also disappointing. And then for our staff at Cruise Specialists, we took advantage of the opportunity of having the ships here. We had them tour the ships, and it was not only educational, but it was motivational. People would come back, and it was a lot of fun when they'd come bounding back into the office with their you know, excitement in terms of the vessels and what they saw. So it, it's a loss on a variety of levels for us. Larry firmly believes that the new normal for the cruise industry will only come back to life by 2023, which sounds very distant from now. What actions will it take to get there? There's going to be so many things that change. The way people embark on ships, the way they debark for tours is going to be different. The testing protocols, the things that the crew must go to to protect each other, as well as the guests are all being looked at. Every single item that you could possibly imagine in all of these months since the ship stopped, there are groups looking at every part of it, and it will be a different industry. There's probably more distancing that will be done, new signage that will occur, new mask protocols, new uh, temperature protocols, oximeter ratings. I mean, it could be daily. And what we need also is machines they give us instant testing because think about it, if a ship gets to a port and all of a sudden there's hundreds, if not thousands of people going off, that particular country doesn't want to accept people if they think they're sick. So there's going to be protocols that are going to be established there. And it's going to happen in both directions. So the complexity of it, I think, is very great. One of my biggest concerns is the ability to balance fear and hope. A lot of things can be fear as in false expectations appearing real. I don't know if it could harm me, but I'm going to assume it can. Therefore, we have to stop everything. And that's happened with a lot of the border movements. That, to me, in my view, very, very complicated. As I said before, it's a long runway. I'm happy about the river bits. I was delighted weeks ago about Hooter Gruten and Paul Gogon, and that turned in the wrong direction. And let's see what happens with the river boats. I hope that Rudy and team and all the others are very successful, very successful. Nothing would be more exciting than that. But my guess is in the real world, COVID is going to happen somewhere. I don't know how it can be avoided. Look at all the countries in the world that are affected by it. So I see this coming back in 21. Again, COVID solution, number one thing, if that happens, it'll be quicker in my mind. If that pushes out further, it'll be a longer runway. I see 21, probably the summer months will give us a pretty good idea next year of what will come back. I don't think every ship will come back at the same time identically. No way. And by the way, there's also repatriating, getting all these crews back to ships, getting the harmony and cadence and new procedures done. So I think it's complicated. And next year has so many future cruise credits in it that the economics of it, where the cruise lines have given more money if they took a future cruise credit, comes in on the economics. They're likely to be better next year. They're not, they're terrible now, but they're not likely to be great. It's probably going to take 22 to get a little bit more normalcy and then 23. But consider in the meantime, ships are being depleted. Some ships are being scrapped. You're going to find some options in the yards bypassed. This feverish, let's take every opening at the yard is gone and it's going to be gone for a while. That isn't going to happen. So we're going to get an industry that's downsized. And what it's going to do is it's going to recreate itself in a bigger, better and healthier way than ever. I'm convinced of that. The new protocols medically that could come on board from UV sorts of things to static sprays to 
heat detectors with regard to temperatures and everything else are just going to make this an exceedingly safe environment. It's not gonna happen overnight. And like everything, the facts keep on changing. So as we get more facts and we rely on science, the path will be pretty good. But I don't think we're gonna to get to a new normalcy until 23, it's a personal opinion. And I try not to be pessimistic. I'm really not pessimistic. That's just my view of it as I look at the facts today. I really want to be wrong. And Carolyn, what's your thoughts on the return to cruising? Do you agree with Larry? Do you have any more insight on that and your opinion? Well, I always agree with Larry. He's the smartest man I know. But I think that it's really important for travelers to look at what other areas of hospitality are doing. Get yourself back out there as you feel comfortable. We are lucky to now be in a position where cruise is starting to resume, slowly but surely. However, this can continue to be a learning experience. We need to look at what other areas and industries are doing and see if the lessons learned there are able to be applied to our market. We really hope you've enjoyed this podcast where we've looked back at the recent webinar. These are just some of the highlights, so if you would like to listen in full, then head to ctrade-cruise.com forward slash ctrade-cruise-talks. We would really like to thank Larry, Annie, and Carolyn for participating in the panel, and Ryan for putting it all together and moderating. We at Ctrade Cruise produce regular webinars, so do take the time to check out Ctrade Cruise Talks and our Spotify where you will see some upcoming podcasts and curated conversations. Don't forget to register for Ctrade Cruise Virtual, happening from the 5th to the 8th of October. We have a full program of content, plenty of networking opportunities, and exhibitors to visit too. Many thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Ctrade Cruise. Come back next week to hear episode three of our IT podcast series. Until then, take care.